Nebuchadnezzar made a demand. He sets up an impressive extravaganza. People gathered from all over the place, musicians and rulers and everybody's there. And then he has a, a demand that everybody, inclusive expectation, everybody should bow down. Now, I don't think Nebuchadnezzar expected much opposition. Did you know the only people in the world at that time that only worshipped one God were the Jews? Everybody else worshipped multitudes of gods. And it was no big deal to add a God to the list. The Hindus have millions of gods. No Hindu could tell you the names of all of his gods. And they don't mind worshiping Jesus as long as they can worship their other gods as well. But I want you to know something. Jesus is not a God. He is the God. There are about 10,000 Jews in Babylon. And the disobedience, we see a demand. Then we see a disobedience comes from three. Three. Of the other Jews, maybe some weren't there. I kind of think Daniel wasn't there. Nothing leads me to believe Daniel would have bowed down to the golden image. But all the other Jews who were there, they all, but they were Jews. They believed in one true God. Thou shalt worship the Lord thy God, and him only shalt thou serve. Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God is one God. The Shema, the, the core doctrine of the Jews was at stake in this command. And 9,997 of them bowed down. You ever think your preacher's a little strange? I mean, everybody else is getting with it. Everybody else is throwing off some of those old silly standards and, and they're getting a little more sophisticated and they don't want, you know, you can say a quiet amen, but don't be shouting in church. And all the other places, young people look just like the young people in the world. And he wants your young people to look different and, and he's using the same old Bible and he still believes you ought to go out and knock on doors and tell people about the Lord Jesus Christ and, and all these other churches. I mean, there's hardly a church around in this area that believes like us. You know you're in the minority. That's okay. <laughs> that just means he didn't bow down when everybody else did. People fuss at me for using the King James Bible and I say, I'm just using the one you used to. I'm just doing the same things you did before. Now, now, don't you ever feel bad because your difference, the minority is almost, the majority is almost always wrong. God almost always does what he does to a minority, uses uh, 300 Israelites to kill 135,000 Midianites. He has uh, 12 men that follow him and are with him and those turn the world upside down by the grace and the power of God. And I'm here to say that it's really important in these days that the people of God do not bow down. See, the forces that oppose us, they're okay with you having church. They're okay with you singing wonderful music like you have today. They're okay with you saying amen. They're okay with you reading your Bible as long as you also worship their gods. Hillary Clinton said when she ran for president, she said, uh, when it comes to abortion, quote, religious beliefs will have to change. 
The government is going to tell you what you must believe about unborn life. Pete Buttigieg ran for president married to another man. Pete Buttigieg is now, I think he's the Secretary of Transportation. He qualifies for that because he can drive a car and he usually can tell the difference between a truck and a bus. <laughs> Pete Buttigieg said if a church does not openly embrace gay marriage, they should lose their tax-exempt status. There are those forces who say, look it, you can do what you want to do, but you better hire homosexuals. I had the privilege of praying at the first state of the state of, uh, address of our governor, Gretchen Whitmer. The Speaker of the House, a fine Christian young man, 32 years old, and uh, was the, he, he's term limited out now. But I think we'll see him back in politics. His daddy's a preacher friend of mine, independent fundamental Baptist preacher. And uh, he invited me to pray at the state of the state address for the opening of the house. And I saw our governor stand up. I was as close as I am to your preacher to our attorney general and her wife. And our governor said, we are going to have equal rights for the LGBTQ community. No exceptions. Here's what she meant by that. Democrat governor, Republican-controlled House and Senate in Michigan right now, and, and they, uh, they, they're trying to amend the civil rights law to include the LGBTQ community. And uh, the, the Senate and the House have said, look, we don't really want to do that, but we will if you'll write an exemption for religious entities. And what she said and what she meant and what everybody knew what she meant was, I don't care if you're a church or not, you've got to hire a homosexual. I don't care what your Bible says, you've got to perform gay marriages. I don't care what your beliefs are, you're going to have to get in line with us. There will be no exceptions. Three Hebrew children said, sorry, we can't do that. We won't bow down. And then you see the defiance. Now, I want you to notice something about these three Hebrew children. They weren't burning any buildings. They didn't turn any cars over. They didn't have any banners. They weren't making any protests. They just kept standing while everybody else sat down or bowed down. The defiance did not come from the three Hebrew children. You know, it's a strange thing. I put this on Twitter today. A strange thing. The political position of some is that you are responsible for what your ancestors did 200 years ago. But a man who burns a building yesterday is not responsible for that. Loots the store is not responsible. That's a strange thing. But the defiance doesn't come from the people of God. It comes from the king. Notice it's personal. The Bible said Zen Nebuchadnezzar full of fury. The Bible says Nebuchadnezzar in his rage and fury, verse 13, it was personal. It was prideful. He says, you've got to worship the image that I have set up. But it was problematic, his defiance, because he said, who is that God? that'll deliver you out of the burning fiery furnace that I have prepared. When he said that, God, it was not a complimentary term. President Trump had a dispute with our governor and he referred to her as that woman in Michigan. He wasn't being affectionate. Franklin Delano Roosevelt, almost three terms in the White House and there were people who would never use his name. They called him that man in the White House. Who is that 
God. Who is that God that will be able to deliver you? But then you find a declaration. The three of the children answer. It's a declaration of faith. They said, we are not careful to answer thee. You know what they said? We don't have to pray about it. We don't have to check this out. We don't have to go get some counsel from anybody because we already know what the word of God says. Oh, there's some things you need wisdom to handle. There's some problems. You're not exactly sure how to apply the principles of the word of God, but you don't ever have to pray about whether or not you can pass out tracts. You don't have to pray about whether or not you can preach the word of God. You don't have to pray about whether or not you can tell people the gospel of Jesus Christ. You don't have to pray about whether or not the church is able to assemble together. No, because the Bible commands that we're not careful it's a declaration of faith and they said our God whom we serve is able to deliver us do you know what I wish some of God's people quit watching Fox News so much and start reading the Bible a little more you say every time I watch the news I get upset well turn it off I have not watched a news program since the election I'm not against it. If you want to do it, go ahead. I'll read the headlines occasionally on my phone. I don't want to be totally unaware of what's going on. I have some responsibility as a preacher to know the issues of the day and apply the word of God to them. But I want to tell you something. It doesn't matter what's happening out there, what happens in Washington, what happens in the capital of your state and of my state. doesn't have one thing to do with our job as a child of God. My job was the same when Donald Trump was president as it was when Barack Obama is president and as it is when Joe Biden is president and I want you to know I never did have my hopes on revival coming from the White House. Revival comes in the church house. Revival doesn't come from the president. Revival comes from the people of God humbling themselves and turning from their wicked ways and asking God to show himself strong on their behalf and I want you to know I'm not a bit worried about how to survive the rest of this regime because our God is able to deliver us. Declaration of faith, but it's a declaration of fortitude. See, we misunderstand faith. We think faith is the absence of doubt. But it's not. Lord, I believe, help thou mine. Huh? Huh? So they're saying, Lord, I'm fat, help thou my skinniness. Lord, I'm hairy, help thou my baldness. Lord, I believe, help thou mine unbelief. Three Hebrew children said, Our God, whom we serve, is able to deliver us, and he will deliver us. The next three words out of their mouths were, But if not, will you God deliver you? Yep, yes, he will, yes, he's able. You sure? Yes, we are sort of sure. Faith is obeying God in spite of your doubt. Faith is doing what God says even though you have worries and concerns. Faith is ignoring the doubts of your flesh and obeying the prompting of the Spirit of God. And their declaration was a declaration of fortitude. You know what they said? Our God's able to deliver us. We think he's going to. But if he doesn't, we are still not bowing down. I think we'll have freedom to assemble like this for a long time in the United States of America. I think God has given us a decent Supreme Court that is going to protect us from some of the attempts of those in Washington and other places 
us to restrict and limit us. But if he doesn't, it's all right. There's no question about what we do either way. We're going to obey the voice and the word of our God. I love Hebrews 11. All the Bible talks about those who by faith subdued kingdoms and wrought righteousness and women received their dead back to life and stopped the mouths of lions. And then it says in others. Others are sawn asunder. Others wandered about naked and destitute, clothed in sheepskins and goatskins, of whom the world was not worthy. Hey, I hope God's people will, as a body, say, you know what? Our God is able. We're trusting him. It's going to be all right. But whether he delivers us or not, we will not bow down to the image that you've made. And then notice their deliverance. You see, Nebuchadnezzar knew something of the God of the Jews. He had had a dream that he forgot. His wise men said, well, tell us the dream. We'll tell you what it means. He said, no, you tell me the dream and you tell me what it means. Well, he can't tell you what it means to tell us the dream. He said, you're a bunch of quacks. And he said, I'm going to cut you in pieces and make your houses a dunghill. Daniel was a lower level counselor. And he said, why is the decree so hasty from the king? And he said, there's fellows, you go pray. I go see the king. And he said, oh, king, live forever. He said, all the wise men and the counselors and the experts that you have couldn't reveal this secret. He said, but there is a God in heaven that revealeth secrets. And I'm going to tell you what he told me, what your dream was. And I'm going to tell you what he told me, what your dream means. And Nebuchadnezzar said, wow, your God is a revealer of secrets. He knew something of the God of Israel. He knew some of what God could do, but he didn't know God. He doesn't come to know God till later on when he's turned into the, uh, the behavior of a beast for seven years. Then I believe he's converted. Nebuchadnezzar's an Old Testament convert. He's convinced about God in chapter two, but he's not converted uh, until uh, later on, chapter four or five, there, four there. Uh, but I, but I, I want you to know that these people out there, they know something about our God. They'll even invoke his name and they'll use money that says in God we trust and they'll attend the national prayer breakfast, but they don't know our God. Uh, uh, you know, our God spoke the worlds into existence by the word of his mouth. Our God sent a wind to part the Red Sea so that all the Israelites crossed on dry ground and all of Pharaoh's armies drowned when the waters came back and their chariots were covered. Liberals are crazy people. So you mean theological liberals or political liberals? Yes. Heard about a teacher teaching her class, and she said, now that wasn't the Red Sea, boys and girls. That was the Reed Sea. And it was only about 18 inches of water, and it's a particularly dry year, and that's how the children of Israel got across. The little boy said, wow, what a miracle. Son, it was not a miracle. It wasn't the Red Sea. It was the Reed Sea. Only 18 inches. Of, he said, yeah, what a miracle. She said, it wasn't the Red Sea. It was the Reed Sea. It was only 18 inches of water. He said, yeah, what a miracle. She said, what are you talking about? He said, all of Pharaoh's armies drowning in 18 inches of water. What a miracle. 
No, our God gave a food for a million two hundred thousand adult Jews for forty years as they wandered across the wilderness. Our God made the sun stand still. Our God moved it back ten degrees on the sundown. Hey, you know what? I want to say to that LGBTQ community that is advancing their agenda at an exponential pace. I want to say to all the liberal politicians who want to limit our freedom. I want to say to all the delusional people. And the media and all those who think they are large and in charge you don't know our God who is that God that will be able to live you that God is our God say it with me that God is our God say it again that God is our God and here is a deliverance the first thing that happens they tie them up they're thrown into the furnace the Bible says these men were bound verse 21 in their hose and their hats their other garments and were cast into the midst of the burning fiery furnace because the king's commandment was urgent and the furnace exceeding hot Nebuchadnezzar said I'll show you I'll make it seven times hotter than normal okay I reckon that'd just make you burn up faster. If you're going to shoot me seven times in the head, I probably don't care about the six successive bullets after number one. It was so hot. The Bible says these three men, verse 23, I'm sorry, the flame of the fire, verse 22, slew those men that took up Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. And these three men, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, fell down, bound into the midst of the burning, fiery furnace. And Nebuchadnezzar, the king, was astonished. And rose up in haste and spake unto his counselors, Did not we cast three men bound into the midst of the fire? They answered and said unto the king, True, O king. He answered and said, Lo, I see four men loose walking in the midst of the fire. You know what happened? The deliverance was, number one, accomplished by God giving them freedom. Their hat didn't burn, their hose didn't burn, their garments didn't burn, their eyebrows didn't get singed, but their bonds burned off. Can I tell you that what a wicked world does to try to limit the children of God often is used by God simply to give us freedom. Did you know that in China, when the communists took over, there were three to four million Bible-believing Christians, and now, under all these years, decades of communist rule, there are now between 90 and 100 million Christians in the land of China. They put them in jail. They sent them to re-education camps. They had to meet in little apartments lined with mattresses so the sound of their singing doesn't permeate through the walls to the neighbors. But there are now more Christians, they tell me, in the land of China by number than in any land in the world. You can't stop the gospel of Jesus Christ. Go ahead, tie us up. Throw us in the fire. The only thing burns was their bonds. Freedom. And fellowship. I see four men loose walking in the midst of the fire and they have no hurt. And the form of the fourth is like the Son of God. Hey, I got news for you. You may get thrown in the fire, but you'll never be there alone. The doctor may say it's malignant, but you won't go through it alone. They may take your house, but you won't be homeless alone. They may come and divide your family by wicked teachings of the public school, but you won't face 
said, alone. You're never alone. There is a friend that sticketh closer than a brother. And he said, I'll never leave you or forsake you. There is somebody who's always with you. Old Bob Jones Sr. told the story of a couple that wanted a child for years and years. They could have adopted one, but they didn't think they should. And finally, after a long time, a baby was on the way. Oh, they were so excited. They fixed up a room. They made a beautiful nursery. Time came for the baby to be born. Back in those days, the husbands did not accompany the wives in the delivery room. Because in the old days, women knew how to breathe on their own. (laughs) They did not need a coach to help them breathe. Our public schools have so fallen, we don't believe now we need help breathing. The delivery was hard. The baby was born, placed in the arms of that mother. She felt something was wrong and she looked up and said, Doctor, am I going to die? Yeah, he said, I think you are. Her eyes welled up with tears and she said, Doctor, we wanted this baby so long. We prayed for it so much. I wouldn't mind dying if I could only take the little baby with me. And the old doctor very comfortlessly said, well, I'm sorry, the gate of death is so narrow, there's not even room for the baby. You have to go through it all by yourself. And old Bob Jones Sr. said, oh, don't tell her that, Doctor. It's true that she cannot take the baby with her, but she doesn't have to go through the gate of death alone. There's one who will go with her. Yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death. I will fear no evil for thou art with me. There's somebody always with the child of God and his name is Jesus. Freedom, fellowship, favor. They wind up getting promoted. The enemies use their lack of compromise as an effort to get them removed and it winds up getting them promoted. Who is that God that is going to help us in the face of an onslaught uh, by an LGBTQ community? Now listen, everybody deserves to be treated kindly. I said to our church, a homosexual person comes in here, we shake their hand, look in the eye, say, we're glad you're here. Just like if a drunk came in or a thief came in or anybody else that's a sinner, they need Jesus. And we had them come and we had some that profess faith in Christ and we treated them kindly. I'm not saying that, but they're not satisfied with that. You got to say it, they're okay. You got to go along with it. They'll send you, if you work for AT&T and you make a remark that indicates you find homosexuality unscriptural, they send you to some classes to change your thinking, re-education camps like the communists used to have. Same idea there to straighten you out. Who is that God that is going to help us to, 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 to succeed and have a Bible-believing God-honoring church in the face of that onslaught? Well, I know, say with me, that God is our God. Who is that God that is going to help us as the government restricts our freedoms and is angry about our message and tries to shut us down? I know that God said that God is our God. Who is that God that is going to help us raise young people in an increasingly pagan society and have them turn out to love God and know the word of God and obey the Bible? Well, that God is our God. Who is that God going to sustain the church during a COVID crisis? That God is our God. Who is that God that will help the gospel message to be spread to people who find it increasingly repulsive? That God is our God. Who is that God that is going to protect us? Who is that God that is going to provide for us? Who is that God that will promote us even in the midst of opposition? That God is our God. 
that God that took Peter and James out of jail and put them preaching the gospel the next day, the same place they'd been arrested before, that God is our God, that God that took the sling of a shepherd boy and guided it to the only unprotected place in the head of the giant Goliath and took his life and won a battle for the people of Israel, that God is our God, that God that took 300 unarmed, untrained men and defeated 135,000 Midianites, that God is our God, that God that killed 100 185,000 Syrian soldiers while they slept. That God is our God. That God that stopped the mouths of the lions so that Daniel had a nice rest where his opponents were eaten up in minutes before they hit the ground in the same den. That God is our God. John G. Patton went to the New Hebrides Islands November of 1858. All the inhabitants were cannibals. An old man named Dixon said, son, don't go there. You go there, your body will be eaten by cannibals. Patton said, Brother Dixon, you're an old man. Your body will soon be eaten by worms. And in the resurrection, it shall not matter whether my body was eaten by cannibals or worms. I shall have an equally glorified body as you. Got there February the next year. And they were all cannibals and it was rough. Constant danger. Constant threat of attack. He, uh, his wife had a baby, son born February 12th. 19 days after that, his wife died. 17 days after his wife died, his son died. And John G. Patton slept on the graves of his wife and son so the cannibals wouldn't dig them up and eat them. One night his little hut was surrounded, chieftain with warriors, and all through the night Patton prayed and was sure that any breath could be his last. But he lived face the dawn. That chief later on got saved. About a year later, Patton said, you remember that night you and your, your, your tribe were around my hut, your, your men? He said, yeah. He said, why didn't you attack me? He said, well, we meant to. But he said, there are a hundred men with swords standing all around your hut. John G. Patton didn't see that, but I believe the chief did. The angel of the Lord encampeth round about them that fear him and delivereth them. John G. Patton lived to see every soul on the island of Aniwa saved and nearly every soul in the New Hebrides Islands come to believe in Jesus Christ as their Savior. Uh, Charles Darwin, the, the founder of evolution, uh, in his voyage on the Beagle, came to the New Hebrides Islands and he wrote this, I do not believe in God. But if I did, it would be because of what I've seen in the New Hebrides Islands and the ministry, the work of John G. Patton. When John Patton went there, they're all cannibals and not a single Christian. And when he left, they're all Christians and not a single cannibal. And it happened because he told him about one named God. And that God is our God. Who is that God? The sovereign scoffed in anger, scorn, and rage that can remove you from the fire, your pain and hurt assuage. Who is that God that can deliver three unbowing men, release their bonds, protect from burning, set them free again? Your God reveals my dreams and makes you strong and wise, it's true, but I'm the king. And there are things I know your God can't do. 
My furnace burns at seven times its necessary heat. No God can save you from its flame or my decreed defeat. Who is that God, you ask, O king? A sneer upon your face, your anger poured on all who your command do not embrace. Who is that God, you ask, your face contorted by your rage? Why, I'm the greatest man on earth, the ruler of my age. I've conquered kingdoms, built great cities, ruled my world, and now you almost worship as I bid you to my image bow. What God exceeds my might and power. Name him if you will. When it's over, you'll be dead. And I'll be sovereign still. The answer from God's children came without a second thought. No agonizing worries of the flame so fierce and hot. No pleading, no negotiating, no remorse or tear. The answer to your question is our God. We love and fear. Our God is able, powerful, and sovereign over all. He'll help us. He'll deliver us as on his name we call. Your furnace so consuming and your image, oh, so high, are nothing to the king of kings who hears our every cry. That God is our God, and you'll see just what our God can do. He'll help us. He'll deliver us. He'll always see us through. That God is our God. He's the only God, you see. He promises to his children perfect peace and victory. So in the fire, three Hebrew children clothed and bound were thrown. The power of the potentate would soon to all be known. The king in smug self-confidence would sit and watch them burn. And all the earth would then to him in fear and reverence turn. The flame, so hot the keepers died while casting in the three, yet not a hair was singed. They were as safe as they could be, their clothing unaffected, no alarm and no despond. The only thing that burned on those three children was their bond, the weight. The king's advisors have a startling report. They strain to see with whom those unbound men do now consort. There are four men, the king declares, who in the furnace trod. And that fourth man, he looks exactly like the son of God. Their bodies were protected, neither thread. Their hair was singed. They never ran. They showed no fear. They never even twinged. But better than deliverance from fury, heat, and flame, the fact that God who rescued them within their presence came. So when the critics mock our faith and freedoms try to take, remember, they're repeating that vain potentate's mistake. Another petty tyrant with another brash decree. Another prideful ruler saying we must bend the knee. Another unbeliever thinking they are in control. Another who would bind our bodies and command our soul. Another one who dares to challenge our great deity. Another who demands that subject to them we must be. It's just another chance for God's protection to be shown. Another opportunity to make his power known. Another illustration of deliverance and love bestowed upon his children by our gracious God above. That God is our God. He created and controls the world and laughs when petty challenges by men at him are hurled. He sits up in the heaven doing all he does desire and comes to help his children and walk with us through the fire. So let the heathen thunder. 
Let them threaten to destroy and let them every power in this world try to employ. But hold this truth fast in your heart as you walk on their sod. That God who can deliver us has always been our God. Would you say it one more time? That God is our God. That God is our God. When you read the headlines, remember that God is our God. When they want to fuss at you at work because you take a stand for Jesus, remember that God is our God. When you worry about the riots and the protests and the people doing wrong being set free and the people doing right being put in jail, that God is our God. Who is that God? I'll tell you. (laughs) Our God whom we serve. 